Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Big Mad True Crime, where we get big mad over true crime. I'm your host, Heather Ashley, and today's case is out of Chicago, Illinois. Small talk sucks, so let's dive in. Kiera Coles was the fourth of five children, but by all means, she was the mother hen of the bunch. She had a natural maternal instinct that made her insist on caring for even her older siblings. Her parents wound up splitting, but the family remained pretty close, and I'm talking like best friends close. Her mother eventually got remarried to a man who loved Kiera and her siblings as his own, and bottom line, there was no shortage of people whom Kiera loved and who loved her. In adulthood, Kira went on to work at the U.S. Post Office as a part-time mail carrier. According to ABC News, she started by filling in as needed and eventually worked her way into a permanent position with a route of her own. This came with a steady salary and benefits like health insurance, and it was all Kira ever wanted. She loved her job, and her postal family loved her. 2018 kicked off with Kira crushing her to-do list. She got that permanent position, she bought a new car, and she moved out of her parents' house and into her own apartment. The only box left unchecked on this chapter of her life's to-do list was becoming a mother, but that wouldn't take long. Kira's mom told the Chicago Tribune that Kira and her boyfriend Jason, who she'd been dating for about six years, were trying for a baby, and by August of 2018, it worked. Kira was pregnant and it felt like the stars were aligning. She had a plan for her life and it was being executed perfectly. The only hiccup seemed to be that her boyfriend, Josh, whom Kira's family genuinely liked, was also someone else's boyfriend and had been for some time. Josh had another girlfriend who he'd also been dating for about six years and the other girlfriend was also pregnant. From what I can tell, the two seemed to know about one another, but it's no surprise they didn't particularly get along. From the outside looking in, it looked like the other woman might have been the primary girlfriend by a hair. Regardless of Josh having two pregnant girlfriends, the three of them continued their intertwined relationships, and now two babies were on the way. Kier couldn't have been more excited to become a mom. She had dreamed about this since the day she was born. And generally, I wouldn't be that dramatic like, oh, she's wanted to be a mom since she was born. But for real, she mothered her older siblings. Becoming a mom was her Stanley Cup. In late September, Kier got to see her little baby on the ultrasound screen when she was about three months pregnant. Her little one was looking more and more like a baby with its cute little profile, and she couldn't wait to show everyone her ultrasound pictures. She didn't know the gender yet, but her mother told ABC News that if it was a boy, she was going to name him Junior, a name that she had picked out a long time ago. On October 1st, Kira called her mom as usual, and according to MSN and ABC, they talked about everything under the sun, from what milk to buy at the store to Josh coming over the next night. Kira was her normal, bubbly self, and nothing seemed off. There were no warning signs for what was about to happen. The following day, Kira went to work delivering mail as usual, and after she got off, the Chicago Tribune reports that she, her aunt, and her friend all went to a WIC appointment. For anyone unfamiliar with WIC, it's a supplemental nutrition program for women, infants, and children. At an appointment, they'd go over your income and check certain health criteria like your iron levels to see what food you might need and how much of it. 
While Kiera loved her job, she didn't make a ton of money and she was about to have another mouth to feed, so she was on top of it and getting prepared. After that appointment, Kiera went home and again, everything seemed normal. On October 3rd, Kiera's mom tried calling her daughter for their usual daily chat, but this time Kiera's phone went straight to voicemail. She told WCGI Radio that she figured Kiera might have forgotten her charger and her phone died, and she didn't think too much of it. The next morning, her mother tried calling Kiera again, but it was still going to voicemail. And at this point, she started to get a little worried, so according to the radio station, she decided to drive by Kiera's house on her way to work. Kiera's car was parked out front, which made her feel a little better, and she told herself that she'd wait to see if she heard from her daughter while she was at work before she'd try calling again. The workday came and went, and once Kiera's mother was off, she tried yet again to get a hold of her daughter, but just like before, it went straight to voicemail. Her mom had a gut feeling that something was wrong. She called Kiera's work to see if she was there, but learned that her daughter had called in sick that day, which seemed odd because her phone had been going to voicemail since the day before. WGN9 reports that after learning Kira hadn't gone to work, her mother called one of Kira's sisters to see if she had heard from her, and she hadn't. So her sister went to social media to see if Kira had posted anything. She was shook when she realized that Kira, who normally posted to Snapchat several times a day, had posted nothing. Kira's mom was panicked at this point, and according to scene of the crime, called Josh, Kira's boyfriend, to see if he could bring his key to her apartment so they could check on Kira. She was worried that maybe her daughter was sick, very sick, and needed help. But when she got a hold of Josh, she says that he told her he didn't have a key, which was confusing because Kira had told her mom that she'd given him one. At this point, her mom didn't know what else to do, so she called the police. They gained access to Kiera's apartment, but Kiera wasn't there. According to Scene of the Crime, her TV was still on, and while her keys and wallet were inside, her phone and purse were still missing. Why would she take her purse without her wallet, and where did she go with her phone but not her keys? I mean, her door was locked, but she wasn't inside. If she was the only one with the key to her apartment, how did she plan to get back in? With her phone and purse still missing, they went out to her car, which was parked down the block. This is a residential area in a city, so finding a parking spot down the block isn't uncommon. Inside of Kira's car, scene of the crime reports that they found that missing phone and purse. Inside of her purse were her prenatal vitamins, an apple, an orange, and a banana. Everything Kiera needed to exist as an adult was either in her apartment or in her car, including the asthma medication that she needed. It was at this moment that everyone knew something was very, very wrong, and Kiera, at three months pregnant, was reported missing. Her family didn't think this was voluntary. Kiera had a routine that consisted primarily of work, family, and her boyfriend. She didn't go out and party, and as you can tell by the contents of her purse, her entire lifestyle was dedicated to making sure that she had the healthiest pregnancy possible. Leaving on her own without any money, her phone, or her prenatal vitamins didn't seem to fit. Her friends and family took to the streets, posting flyers on business windows, telephone poles, and even leaving them on windshields. WGN9 even reported that they went door-to-door asking if anyone had security cameras. 
They figured that someone had to have seen her, and if they hadn't, maybe their cameras had. This neighborhood was pretty close for being so populated, and a lot of the residents worked together at the post office, so there was no better place to start searching for her or find people willing to help in the search. Her biological father even quit his job in Wisconsin to live out of his car in front of Kira's house just in case there was any sign of her. While everyone was out searching for Kiera and painting the city with flyers, the police had been combing through the neighborhood for security cameras as well, and they found something. In a video shared by WGN9, you can see a woman in a postal uniform walking down the sidewalk carrying what looks like a backpack. While she's walking, you see her slide the backpack off and start to carry it in front of her. With the backpack in front of her, she walks between two cars and towards the other side of the street, but she never really makes it to the other side. Instead, she kind of walks along the street and then the footage stops. The footage itself was a little choppy and a lot of reports said that she walked out of view of the camera, but the footage that was shared just stops. The video initially felt like a huge break, but it left people with a lot more questions than it did answers. Why would Kiera be in her postal uniform if she had called in sick? Her family tried getting access to her phone to see if it really was Kiera who called in sick that morning, but were unable due to a passcode. Why would she be carrying a backpack if her purse was already in the car with her phone, prenatal vitamins, and fruit in it? Say Kiera was in the middle of packing her car up for work at the job she had called in sick for earlier that morning. I mean, if we're trying to explain why half of her things were in her apartment and half of them were in the car. If that was the case, why did she walk past her car? And why was her apartment door locked with the keys to it and her car still inside? The biggest question of all was, if this was Kiera, what happened to her after the video shut off? Certainly, there were more security cameras in the area, so why was this the only one anyone was talking about, and why had it stopped so abruptly? No one's questions were answered, and if anything, the surveillance footage made everyone more concerned about where Kiera might be. Her mother offered up her own $3,500 reward. Activist Andrew Holmes offered up $1,000. The National Association of Letter Carriers offered up $2,500. And the U.S. Postal Inspection Service swooped in and offered up a $25,000 reward. I was today years old when I learned that the U.S. Postal Service has their own investigative agency for crimes against their employees. And holy shit, do they do their job. Just two weeks after going missing, the reward for information was over $30,000. Leads rolled in and police followed up on them while family, friends, postal workers, and even strangers volunteered to help search for Kiera. There was one obvious person missing, though her boyfriend, Josh. According to reports, it looks like he and another woman moved to another state pretty quickly after Kiera went missing, and her family told NBC Chicago that they'd tried getting in contact with him since his pregnant girlfriend went missing, but had yet to be successful. On October 17th, Kiera's mom and sister did a Facebook Live interview with WCGI 107.5. 
where they said that there are more videos, the police just haven't shared them yet. Not with the public and not even with the family. They told 107.5 that the police have been very honest about the fact that there's information they can't share with the family yet, but that didn't mean that they didn't know anything. In the interview, her sister said that she'd seen a bunch of officers out by Kira's apartment recently checking down the alleys. When asked about the obvious rumors surrounding Kira's boyfriend, her mom shut it down pretty quickly, saying they weren't trying to single anyone out and that she's sure he's going to be looked into. This was really the first outlet that ever mentioned Josh. I think anyone who's into true crime at all had their red flags raised and waving as soon as they found out she was missing, but nothing had been said about him at all. And if it makes any sense, the silence almost made it louder. Everyone wondered why no one was talking about the elephant in the room. I mean, Kira's Facebook, which was filled with posts and listed her as engaged, was wiped clean and done pretty quickly. It almost seemed like those close to the case might have been instructed not to bring any attention to her boyfriend, and her Facebook certainly would have done that. Until October 18, 2018, Kira was considered a non-suspicious missing person, but on that day, it changed. No one knows under what circumstances, but on the 18th, the police announced that they suspect possible foul play. To everyone else, it seemed like foul play was obvious, but when it comes to the legal side, you have to have evidence to prove it. And something changed their mind. In a piece by the Chicago Tribune, law enforcement said that they were aware of Kira's relationships and asked that anyone with information to please call, saying that leads are very important to us right now. They even offered an anonymous tip option at cpdtip.org. More than a month went by without any sign of Kiera and no updates in her case until Oxygen decided to step in. They were able to get a comment from a public information representative from the U.S. Postal Inspection Service, and what she said blew everyone's minds. She told the network that they didn't believe the woman wearing the postal uniform in the security footage from the morning of the 3rd was Kiera. Regardless of everyone's questions about that CCTV footage from the morning of the 3rd, it didn't seem like it ever occurred to anyone, at least publicly, that the woman in the video wasn't Kiera. But it made a lot of sense. There were other postal workers who lived in her neighborhood, and Kiera had called in sick. Whether it was her or an automated system is still up in the air. But either way, why would she have been wearing her uniform? Why would she have been walking across the street past her car with her apartment door locked and the keys to both her apartment and car still inside? In hindsight, it made perfect sense that the woman in the video wasn't her. But that now meant that no one could account for Kiera after that WIC appointment on the 2nd. Thanksgiving and Christmas came and went with no signs of Kiera, and in mid-January of 2019, a vigil was held. At this point, everyone was done following the rules and staying quiet, and her family called for Josh to come forward, saying he still hadn't been questioned and asking, if you haven't done anything, then why not? This was the first time anyone had referred to him by name in the media. For the next few months, ABC 13 reports that her family and friends continued their own searches, focusing on an area around her apartment and even in a wooded area. According to Refinery29, her father even went into some abandoned homes in the area looking for his daughter. 
Her family begged and pleaded for national media outlets to pick up Kira's story so that maybe someone somewhere would come forward, and it kind of worked. On March 11th of 2019, Dateline did a piece on Kiera, and it wasn't just a recap. They had uncovered some shit. In this article, authorities said that they had a good idea of what transpired, and now it was just a matter of finding evidence. What transpired? Is she okay? Is she not okay? Is she alive? The chief of police told the outlet that there was a minimum of two to three persons of interest and that they were the last people to see Kira before she went missing. We can look into that as far as we want, but the police know more than we do, and there's a good chance that we don't know who those last people were. And while they didn't give out any names, they did give us a hint. They said that they'd narrowed it down to a personal associate of hers, a friend. And again, while they didn't give a name, they did refer to them as her, which shook things up a little bit. Not one person of interest, but two to three, and one of them was a her. After this news break, the family held another vigil, praying and hoping that Kira would be found before her due date. But come April, her due date came and went, and there was no sign of Kiera or her baby. Not in any hospitals, nowhere. But in May, a baby was found. According to ABC6, two people were walking down the street when they heard a baby cry. They followed the cry into an alley and found a newborn baby boy with his umbilical cord still attached on top of a garbage can. The baby was losing blood from its umbilical cord, so they rushed it to a nearby firehouse. At that point, the baby was unresponsive, but first responders and medical staff were able to stabilize him. This was a month after Kiera's due date, but people following her case wondered if maybe this was her baby, and if it was, maybe Kiera was still in Chicago. But there was another theory, that maybe this was the baby of another pregnant woman who'd gone missing. Marlene Ochoa Lopez had gone missing just six months after Kiera had. The public waited for any news on who this baby belonged to, but in the end, it wasn't Kiera or Marlene's baby. It was the baby of a 16-year-old girl and her 17-year-old boyfriend. WGN9 reports that the girl had given birth, put the baby in a beach towel, and put him on the top of a trash can. The boyfriend then went out, put the baby in a bag, and left it there. After which, the 16-year-old girl went to the hospital claiming to have had a miscarriage. The passerby who found the baby was actually the boyfriend's mother. According to the outlet, the teenagers claim to have misunderstood the safe haven laws, which allow you to drop a baby off at a police station, fire station, or hospital, no questions asked, so long as the baby is under 30 days old. It seemed odd that they'd confused the safe haven laws with putting your baby in a towel in a bag on a garbage can. So according to the outlet, the teens were both charged with first-degree attempted murder, and the boy's mother was charged with false reporting. And while that baby was safe and in protective custody, everyone else was left to wonder where Kiera and her baby were. 
In July of 2019, the family again pleaded for anyone with information to come forward. They weren't just searching for Kiera now, they were also searching for her baby, who would have been around three months old at this point. They told CBS Chicago that the police had essentially hit a brick wall and announced that the reward had increased, and it had increased by a lot. It was now sitting at $46,000. A couple of months later, bones were found in a park in Chicago about 20 minutes from where Kiera lived, and everyone wondered if this might be her. But law enforcement was having a hard time even determining whether or not the bones were human. They wound up being sent out to the medical examiner's office, but in the end, it wasn't her, and frankly, I couldn't find any updates on whether they were actually from a human or an animal. Kiera's family begged for police to start searching the abandoned homes in the area, her father telling WBBBM, you'll be surprised of the things you'll find in there, and he would know seeing as he'd checked in a few of them himself. Unfortunately for law enforcement, it's not that easy. Even though they're abandoned, they still belong to someone, and in order to search someone's home, they either have to get permission or a search warrant. And when they're investigating a disappearance like Kiera's, even with permission, they're likely going to want to get a search warrant just to cross their T's and dot their I's when it comes to presenting anything they find in court. In order to get each and every one of those search warrants, they'd need to present sufficient probable cause that entering this home might result in tangible evidence. Basically, it's hard and not always possible, even though it seems like the natural next step or first step when you think about looking for a missing person. Both Todd Burkhart and Kyla Hayton, a couple we covered back in 2019, were found in adjacent abandoned homes in Ohio. Kiera's 27th birthday passed and a balloon release and candlelight vigil was held in her honor. Her mom told Fox 32 that until the detectives or police tell me to come identify a body, to me, she's alive. She and Kiera's father have stood by that from day one and hold on to hope that Kiera and her child are still out there somewhere. Almost a year passed before there was any information on Kiera's case, and when it came, it deflated everyone. According to ABC7, the police announced that they had suspended Kiera's investigation, meaning they couldn't take it any further with the information they had. Essentially, it sounded like they had exhausted all leads. They noted that she was still considered high risk, that foul play was suspected, and that the suspension of her case wasn't permanent and that it could change at any time with new information. With the investigation suspended, all bets were off, and Kiera's dad dropped a bomb. He confirmed to ABC7 that the woman in the surveillance video from October 3rd, 2018, was not his daughter, and that he'd asked for the video to be taken down several times. Kiera's mother echoed this statement, saying that she knew it wasn't Kiera from the first time she saw it. So why are all reports still saying that Kiera was last seen by her apartment on the 3rd? The answer would come in February of this year. On February 4th, 2021, Kira's mom spoke with NBC Chicago saying that she'd kept quiet for years, but now she had nothing to lose. Kira's mom told the station that the police had known all along that the woman in the video wasn't Kira and said that she was told not to tell anyone. Were police trying to make whoever was involved in whatever happened to Kiera think that they were looking in the wrong direction? Were they trying to make their person of interest think they weren't onto them? 
If so, they did a pretty good job because to this day, when you Google Kiera's name, you'll see that she was last seen on video footage in her postal uniform by her house. That wasn't the only thing she told NBC Chicago, though. Kiera's mom told the station that the police had told her about more videos, videos actually containing her daughter. She says that one video was of Kiera and Josh leaving Kiera's apartment in separate cars, and one after that of them at an ATM where she says Kiera pulled out $400 and gave it to Josh. The department's statement about having a pretty good idea of what transpired makes a lot more sense now. Since that interview, there have been no real updates in Kiera's case. According to NCIC, more than 600 thousand Americans went missing in 2018, and Kiera was one of them. She is still missing, her baby is still missing, and the reward for information is at $49,500. If you know anything about the disappearance of Kiera Coles, please contact the U.S. Postal Inspection Service at 1-877-876-2455 or the Chicago Police Department at 312-747-8274. For all photos pertaining to this case, check out Kira's highlight at the top of my Instagram profile at the Heather Ashley and join me there tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern where you go live with me and we talk about today's episode. If you like your podcast ad free, head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash big mad true crime or for just one whole dollar a month, your episodes are totally ad free. If you need more episodes in your life for just five dollars a month, you get a bonus episode on the first Monday of every month, which is today. All of your episodes are ad-free, and you'll also receive a forever discount code for all Big Mad True Crime merch. And of course, anytime you sign up, you get instant access to all previous bonus episodes. I'll be bringing you a brand new case a week from today, and I cannot wait. But until then, we out. (laughs) 